Now, this idea that we learn to abuse ourselves, another way to talk about that is to say we abandon ourselves. And what's really ironic is that the core wound for adult children is abandonment. So the thing we fear the most is abandonment. And then we end up doing that very thing to ourselves. We abandon ourselves, but we do it because that's what we were taught to do. We were taught to abandon ourselves, to abuse ourselves. And because it's something we were taught, something that we learned, that means we can unlearn it. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life whether you're in recovery or not. This is episode 185, The Origins and Effects of Adult Child Trauma, part one. I got a request from somebody who said they want me to talk on my podcast about how we all got our adult child attachment and adult child trauma issues. Now, I have an understanding of this from my own personal recovery process for relational trauma, which is the kind of trauma that happens over time in relationships, typically from not having our needs met or what I used to think of as the absence of good things happening for me in my childhood. That means that we experience things like emotional invalidation, being gaslighted by our families, pretending shit isn't happening that's actually happening or, you know, something horrendous happens and nobody talks about it, but then everybody talks at length about dumb shit that doesn't really matter. So I'm going to read directly from the book Adult Children of Alcoholics, which is referred to affectionately as the Big Red Book or the BRB in the ACA Fellowship, which is Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families, sometimes also referred to as ACOA. And though the fellowship was founded originally by and for adult children of alcoholics, what was realized over time is that children from all different kinds of dysfunctional families end up with the same traits as children from alcoholic families. So you could have grown up in a family with a chronically ill parent, a mentally ill parent, someone with a personality disorder, a super religious family, a super militaristic family. Any of those kinds of families can result in having the effects of childhood trauma that I'm going to be talking about here. But what I'm going to read is going to talk about alcoholism and just know that what they're referring to is really intergenerational dysfunction. So this reading starts on page 55, and ironically, the chapter is called The Importance of Service. And what's really amazing is that so much of the core of what causes adult child syndrome is explored in this chapter. So 
You'll have to read it for yourself if you want to understand why this stuff is in a chapter about service and recovery. And I'm going to read a section and then share my take on it and then read another section and share my take on it. And then I'm going to finish this episode. Actually, I'm going to do two episodes because there's so much here. So here goes. The first section says perceptions are learned. Children need to believe their perceptions of reality are accurate and can be trusted to guide their behavior and to keep them safe from harm. They become obedient to what they believe is true and follow what they hope is the best path for finding happiness, peace, and joy. Children look to authority to help them define what is real and to make sound decisions in relating to others. The support of responsible authority gives them confidence in developing their own ability to effectively live in the world, end quote. Now, what this points to is, for me personally, the worst effect of growing up in a dysfunctional family, which is questioning my own perception. That is not really understanding if I could trust myself. Like, is this real? Did this really happen? Because in my family, we would say, this is what we're like, but we weren't actually like that. Or we would say, we don't do those things, but we actually did those things. And that was kind of crazy making. Feelings weren't acceptable. For example, one of the worst things that my father ever said to me, which he said many times, was, do you want me to give you a reason to cry? I was little and little kids are concrete thinkers. They don't have the ability to think abstractly. So nuance and things like that are just not something that kids understand. So the idea that I didn't have a reason to cry was like, what? Wait, I am crying. And he's telling me I don't have a reason to cry. That is fucking crazy making to a little tiny kid. Now, I wrote in the margin in this section, I could not trust myself to keep myself safe and from harm. Now, the reason I couldn't do that because I didn't know what was real, I questioned my perceptions. And if I didn't know what was real, then I didn't really know what was safe and what was unsafe. The next section is stinking thinking is learned. The tragedy for children in an alcoholic home is that they are robbed of a model for living that is based on a responsibility to sanity. At the core of alcoholic thinking is the insane belief that self-destructive behavior can lead to serenity and peace of mind. The abuse of alcohol becomes a model for destruction. The attitude of abuse that underlies all addictive behavior dominates the family, and children learn to accept this attitude in others and themselves. By practicing and supporting a pattern of self-annihilation, one generation conveys to the next a never-ending cycle of despair. End quote. What this is referring to is what is sometimes called para-alcoholism. Para-alcoholism is the thinking and behaviors that alcoholics engage in that are separate from the drinking part of alcoholism. They have to do with the way you interpret the world. And for me, this is summarized by the sentence, at the core of alcoholic thinking 
is the insane belief that self-destructive behavior can lead to serenity and peace of mind. Now, this para-alcoholic thinking permeates the entire family, not just that of the alcoholic. And the alcoholic thinking is something like, if I just drink enough, it will take me to oblivion and it will get me to peace and serenity. Or for para-alcoholics, if I just, you know, whatever enough, it's going to take away all my problems. And one of the things they say with alcoholics is, first, it's fun, then it's fun with problems, and then it's just problems. And the same is true for para-alcoholics. In other words, everybody that grows up in a family with alcoholics, because alcoholism is a family disease. The next paragraph is entitled, Insanity Begins. Insanity begins when children are compelled to deny the reality of pain and abuse. Once children have accepted the idea that alcoholism is not violent or dangerous, they have no basis for deciding what is real or for knowing how to respond to those around them. They no longer trust authority to guide them or to protect them from harm. They are paralyzed by indecision and grow to hate themselves for being confused and vulnerable and for needing to be safe and secure. They learn to survive by punishing themselves for being vulnerable and by denying their need for love, end quote. Now, I talked about some of this recently in an episode about denial. What occurs to me to share here is the idea that we should feel ashamed or guilty for having needs or for wanting help or even thinking of asking for help. And I'm remembering something that I know I shared on another episode. I don't remember which one it was, but I wanted to ask my sweetheart to take me to a fancy restaurant in town. And as soon as I had the thought of asking him, I had this feeling of wanting to cry. And I thought, what the fuck is this? And as I processed it with myself, I realized that it was shame that I was feeling. And eventually I realized that the shame was at the idea of even asking for what I wanted. Now, the good news is I was far enough along in recovery that I was able to ask for it anyway. And I didn't actually cry. I just felt like crying. The tears welled up, but I didn't actually cry. What this passage is saying is that this alcoholic thinking we're talking about is insanity. Now, the next section is entitled, We Learned to Abuse Ourselves. It is this sense of self-betrayal and self-abandonment that is the source of rage and despair in ACAs. Adult children live in two realities attempting to meet the needs of a mature adult, while seeing the world from the perspective of a frightened child. Neither aspect of the personality fully comprehends or understands the motives or actions of the other. The adult need for interdependence and self-expression seems to be in direct conflict with the child's need to be dependent and gently controlled. The frustration of being forced to choose between two competing points of view builds into rage as each side of the personality struggles to be heard by the other. 
Rage turns into despair when we realize that the legacy of insanity we inherited from our alcoholic home does not provide for the well-being of either the adult or the child. End quote. This section helps me to really understand why the solution to being raised in a dysfunctional family and to healing childhood trauma is to become your own loving parent, which means many things, but what it boils down to in its essence is it means learning to love yourself and sort of bridging the gap between that adult and the inner child in a loving and healthy way. Now, this idea that we learn to abuse ourselves Another way to talk about that is to say we abandon ourselves. And what's really ironic is that the core wound for adult children is abandonment. So the thing we fear the most is abandonment. And then we end up doing that very thing to ourselves. We abandon ourselves, but we do it because that's what we were taught to do. We were taught to abandon ourselves, to abuse ourselves. And because it's something we were taught, something that we learned, that means we can unlearn it. The next paragraph is entitled The Origin of Emotional Intoxication. And then I wrote next to it slash the beginning of codependence. To withstand the intense pain of living with insanity and to have any sense of control, we must deny our feelings and hide our vulnerability. Without the guidance of our emotion, we become dependent on others to direct our behavior. We move from an internal sense of direction based on our own perception of the truth to a dependence on alcoholic authority to interpret reality. We're caught in the trap of being obedient to a system of beliefs and behaviors that is actually the cause of our confusion and pain. End quote. This paragraph helps explain why we look outside of ourselves which is the core of codependency. Codependence is reliance on that which is outside of the self, either for validation or for meaning or for purpose. The typical codependent is someone who rescues and fixes and saves and bends over backwards. To take a word from earlier in this chapter, annihilates themselves for other people. But all codependence, no matter what type or degree, is focused outside of the self And that's why learning healthy boundaries is so fucking important. It's the antidote to codependence. And one of the most important things for learning how to form healthy boundaries is learning to keep the focus on yourself because your boundaries are about you and you get to learn what's okay with you and what's not okay with you. And one of my earliest episodes is about keeping the focus on yourself. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. So I'm going to stop here for now because there's a lot in this section that I want to go through, but I don't want this to be a super long episode and it's pretty deep. There's a lot here. I will come back to it and continue this in the next episode. I would love to hear your thoughts about this. I know for some of you, it's the first time you're hearing anything like this. So please let me know what's come up for you. You can either DM me on Instagram or email me, barb at higherpowercc.com. In addition to that episode about keeping the focus on yourself, I'll put a link to the ACA website as well as a link to the big red book in the show notes. And then I'm also gonna put links to three one-pagers that I usually send to newcomers or people who are wondering if ACA is for them. One is called The Problem, 
Another is called The Solution, and the other one is called The Promises. And after reading those three, you'll pretty much know if that's the right program for you. If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're going to love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-release podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listen to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.